The IDP Pros Podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details at CircaSports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A Sports.com. The IDP Pro Players Pod is a proud member of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, home of the hottest, smartest, and fastest-growing sports gambling and fantasy football providers in professional sports entertainment to date. And now, without any further delay, here's your veteran, infamous No Dirty O in season and senior IDP pros, Johnny the Greek and Gary, the IDP tipster, coming off the edge as always with their deepest standard league NFL defensive takes. Warning, the following IDP Pros podcast is for the deepest of Dijon IDP managers, or those that inspire to be. Welcome back to the IDP Pros podcast. My name is Johnny the Greek. I am joined this week, as is tradition, with the senior IDP analyst for the SGPN Network, the man, the myth, the legend, the IDP tipster, Mr. Gary Van Dyke. Gary, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. I crack up every time because when I do those editings for the commercials at the beginning, the one for the manager's pod, it, when it says Circa is back, where yours, because of a little drawn out in my audacity one time, it goes back. It sounds like a bad man, like a goat, like the dude you are. And like our guest, this guy <laughs> is coming up. You actually landed that pretty good. I didn't know where you're going with that. I like that. Uh, yes, we do have a GOAT guest this week. He is at Professor IDP on Twitter, Mr. Scott Soltis of ProfessorIDP.com. This guy does defensive tackle streaming, which is some truly degenerate shit. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, and I know to take that as a, as a sincere compliment. So uh, I'm happy to be a degenerate among fellow degenerates. Uh, yeah, brother. Yeah, man, it absolutely is. You can't get much more degenerate than defensive tackle streaming. I love it. We'll get into that. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning though, and talk us through how you got into all this. When you know, where did you get into fantasy football? When did IDP happen? What's that look like for you? Yeah, so I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan, and I'm 40 years old. So what that means is I had a lot of years where I could love football, but I had nothing good to watch and not a lot to root for after about week four or five. So I became just a fan of football in general. Uh, you know, I started collecting football cards when I was eight or nine, and that's how I got exposed to players and statistics. And uh, starting when I was a teenager in the, the mid to late 90s, uh, I would always get the football preview magazines. And in the back of the football preview magazines, there was some old school fantasy football stuff where they were season-long salary cap leagues, and there were values for all the players, and you had to fill a roster and stay under like $60 million or whatever it was. Uh, you had to hand-calculate your scores from the newspaper on Monday mornings if you're impatient like me and didn't want to wait to call the hotline on Wednesdays. But that was the first foray I got into fantasy football, was building these uh, you know, salary cap teams, calling in, making adjustments, and then that eventually evolved into live drafts when I got into college and you know, ESPN started to really get into that space. And then eventually it morphed into IDP. 
uh, a dear friend of mine, you know, in the, the late 2000s set up a IDP redraft league. And, you know, I had always been familiar with IDP through, like I said, football cards when I was a kid, through playing Madden, which was the only way that I could see the Bengals win and trying to, you know, reform their team, both on offense and defense. But then getting to play IDP in his redraft leagues on Yahoo uh, really helped to uh, elevate my love of the game. Uh, and really understanding of the value of IDP. And the other thing is it helped me to realize that there are lots of edges, lots of ways to win in IDP that aren't as readily apparent as offense. You know, his league was a full pre-draft. So you had to rank all of your players and then he would run the draft at like 6 a.m. or sometime overnight and you wake up and see who your roster was. And in looking at the rankings that Yahoo had, great job on offense, much like currently still pretty terrible on ADP for IDP. So I learned if I can go in and really look at IDP and tweak some of those around, I would get a big competitive advantage in that league. And that led me to just love IDP, love looking for ways to have that kind of competitive edge. And I've been, been going ever since. That's awesome, man. That's really good stuff. I love those old fashioned paper newspaper leagues. That's good stuff. How did you get to ProfessorIDP.com? What made you decide to jump into the, the content game and putting out uh, written um, written form content? So I am a, a real life professor. You know, it's not a, a shtick. Uh, I'm a professor of human resource management. So I study things like employee attitudes and behaviors and employee performance. And so in my day job, I'm looking at, you know, how people tend to be good employees or, or struggle or why companies are dealing with turnover and things like that. So what that means is I publish a lot of academic research. So I'm used to writing 30, 40, 50 page papers and I'm a quantitative researcher. So I'm used to dealing with data and numbers to try to, you know, test theories and derive conclusions. And so I like to apply that to fantasy as well. You know, I started doing some really large format IDP leagues, uh, you know, 16 teams, start 11 offense, start 11 defense. And I wanted to bring friends into that. So I wrote up a little startup draft guide for if you're entering a large format IDP league. And I would just share that with friends. And I thought, you know what, that's something that I could probably share beyond that. So I put it on, I think, Reddit first and then you know, hey, something that could go on a site. Uh, I got inspired largely by your work in the cornerback corner to take a look at defensive tackles because that's another often overlooked and, and disrespected position. Uh, and so I thought, you know what, I wonder if streaming is a viable strategy there. And so I did it for a year and sent the results weekly to my friends to, to keep me honest. And I thought, you know what, that's content that I can share beyond that and uh, you know, another thing that's a big passion for me is modified best ball. That's my favorite format. Happy to talk about that more. Uh, and I've helped to convert four or five leagues at this point. I've started up another four or five leagues at this point that use that kind of format. So I thought, you know what? I can write up a guide to how to do that. And I've been posting things on Reddit. Hadn't really done Twitter. I've only been on Twitter in earnest for the past nine months or so. And so I thought, you know what? If I have a website, I can have a repository for all my stuff. Uh, as an academic, brevity isn't always my thing. So the character limit on Twitter wasn't always my best friend. And so I thought, you know, having a, a place where I can put a little bit longer content would be a good thing and just, you know, helping IDP players and wanting to contribute to the community. 
The IDP Pros Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is the sponsor of Circa Millions and Circa Survivor, which are both back. Over $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. With the Circa Millions, you have five NFL picks against the spread every week. And with the Circa Survivor, you just pick a different money line winner each week of the season. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. The Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there in the last weekend of August. Come join us. Get all the details at circasports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A sports.com. What would you do with that money if you won? I, for one, would retire. And my survivor pick to start the season is going to have to be the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, taking care of business against the Detroit Lions to start the season Thursday night in week one. Really good stuff there. Let's pick it back up with that thought. So modified best ball, I'm assuming that's one of, if not your favorite format. Can you tell us about what that looks like? It's hands down my favorite format. And uh, if if you all know of someone who's been doing this longer than I have, I'd love to cite them, love to give them credit for this format. But it all started with, uh, you know, I use my fantasy league for most of my IDP. Uh, just love it. Love the customization. And I don't know that this was a design of the system, but at one point I thought, you know what? I bet you I could turn best ball on, leave taxi squads on, and it would only count the scores for best ball of the people who are on the active roster. And so I started to test that out in some leagues probably about six years ago as one of the ways to, you know, reward better depth in roster building, allow more strategies to play out and to largely reduce some of that variability that I know is a frustration for a lot of IDP players. You have to start seven IDP, you can have nine active or 10 active. So that way, if a couple of them are busts, but you had you know, a good idea of who to keep active, you can still end up scoring some points. And I also love it because I'll do things like I'll make sure I have offensive and defensive players going Sunday night or Monday night. And I can see, all right, I've already scored a lot of good points at this position, so I can pull someone here and bring someone off my taxi squad, replace them from there. And so for me, it, it keeps you a lot more engaged as the day goes by. It reduces some of that randomness that's always going to be there and I know is part of the game, but it also rewards more skill and, and gives more avenues for teams to be good and do rebuilds. And so I absolutely love that format. And I'm happy to talk about it with anyone who's interested. That's cool, man. That's that's really good stuff. And and you're right. MFL is probably one of the few platforms on the planet that can handle something like that. <laughs> I assume that's your favorite dynasty platform. Do you have a favorite redraft platform? Yeah. So I haven't done as much redraft lately. I'm primarily a dynasty player. Uh, I got a little bit back into redraft in the past couple of years, but you know I'll have uh, one or two leagues on ESPN. Uh, and that's fine, uh, but that's usually mostly offensive only, so I won't talk about that here. No! You know, I've done some stuff on Sleeper. I've started doing some of the IDP-only drafts on Sleeper this offseason as a way to fill time and see how the community thinks of IDP players in particular. Uh, and then I've done some of the the big tournaments that are hosted on MFL that are redraft and had a lot of fun with those and looking forward to doing those again this year. You know, one of the I mentioned I've only been on IDP Twitter for the last nine months, but I absolutely love the charity element of it that I was completely blind to before this. So anytime I see a, a really fun looking, especially IDP charity tournament, 
I try to jump on. And if I'm too busy to jump on, I try to find other ways to support it because it's such an awesome thing that I had no idea existed until I started seeing, you know, this great work that folks like Gary uh, have been doing to, to try to really help the, the IDP community in particular give back and, and help some really great causes. Thank you. Gary's actually he had a great idea this off season. What it is is the breast cancer tipster leagues to get into the main event of the breast cancer classic, which is held on MFL. They did real well. They uh, comparably SGPN was kind enough to donate some $25 gift cards for each league for the winners. And only thing we asked them to do is donate if they would, nobody was had to. And my last count, which I told everybody, I don't even care if I see it, but my last count, I mean, we almost tripled that. It's the first year it only had four leagues. So I, I feel pretty warm and fuzzy about it. So anything that I can keep doing to generate this, to advance that, that's where I'm going with it. And I appreciate that, man. I really do. Thank you. Good stuff there, man. While we're talking about startups, best ball strategy in general, uh, Scott, what's your preferred strategy, all things being even when it comes to a startup? Are you a linebackers guy first, defensive tackle, defensive ends? What's that look like for you? I'm going to be one of the last people to start drafting IDP in general. I love it. I pretty much only play in leagues that have IDP, uh, but I'm very much a wait until, you know, the top tier is running low to start taking IDP and then sort of alternate offense and IDP. Um, so I'll usually end up with one tier one linebacker because I will get linebacker first. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially on MFL this offseason, are sleeping on the value of linebackers now that true position has taken hold across uh, that platform. You know, we saw a lot of players move from linebacker to defensive end. A good bit of players move from defensive end to defensive tackle. No new linebackers. So suddenly that position is a lot more scarce. And if, uh, you know, it's going to be the driver for scoring in a lot of the flat scoring systems, the more tackle heavy systems, give me the linebackers to be the cornerstone of my teams. Uh, but again, I, it's very rare. I'm never going to have Roquan or Foyer or any of those really top tier guys because I'm always going to wait a little bit, uh, except in IDP only drafts and IDP only drafts. That is absolutely where I'll start unless it's, you know, on sleeper. I, I try not to do too much on sleeper, but that's where some things are hosted and it just creates a, a new variable of the dual positions, which I don't love, but in IDP best ball drafts, that's a really nice hack to be able to, to get those edges who can score you in either spot. So in those kind of drafts, I get the dual position guys, and then I start hammering the linebackers again. And it's usually pretty late that I take defensive linemen, defensive tackles uh, in general, in part because I think there's some streaming opportunities there. And then same with defensive backs. You know, there's just so much variability. So much of it is based on you know getting good in-season data and, and having good people that you can turn to that are looking at that data more closely and then just listening to them and, and setting things up that way. I've done nothing but been able to sit here and be very impressed, Scott. I mean, dude, nah. when it comes to like my personal start-sit charts and the formulas that I use, streaming is so important in IDP, especially DGen leagues. I mean, you can take such a big-ass advantage in streaming defensive tackles if you've got that or any defensive lineman or, or applying something to defensive backs. That is something that, unless you've played 
and been able to do it and had success because a lot of people I think think okay stream I'll go stream this guy that you miss a couple of times and you're done with it you don't understand there's a, there, there's a fine tuning to it but when you get what you're putting together man it's cheesecake the IDP Pros Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite Major League Baseball and College Baseball player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog and active in so many states. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Warning, the following IDP Pros podcast is for the deepest of Dejan IDP managers, or those that inspire to be. I do want to get a quick Bengals take out of you, though, because you're the first Cincinnati guy we've talked to. So season prediction, uh, how do you think it's going to go? I mean, man, they, they look pretty good. They do. Uh, it's it's hard to be an optimistic Bengals fan when you've lived as long as I have. Uh, but I my son's only eight years old, so he has only known the good things, and he thinks every year is going to be a Super Bowl year, and you know is really excited about that. I approach every season with a lot more caution. Not only am I a Bengals fan, but I grew up and uh, went to school in Pennsylvania, so surrounded by Steelers fans. Just yeah. happened to live in Ohio for a couple of years when the Bengals were awesome, stuck with them through the lean time. So, you know, it's hard to be too optimistic, but I will say this. Um, the team hasn't gotten worse this offseason. Uh, I can't think of a, you know, I know losing both of the safeties is a transition point, but, you know, it's a transition point. I think, you know, Nick Scott was underrated in the work that he did in L.A. last year, and I think he can, you know, plug a hole there. Uh, I think Battle is going to compete with him for that spot. I really liked what I saw out of Dax Hill, mostly in the slot last year, but moving into a safety role this year. Um, you know, Miles Murphy in the first round gets us that nice edge depth and uh, allows us the flexibility to, you know, have some salary cap maneuvering next year potentially. You know, Orlando Brown on the offensive line and not getting rid of Jonah Williams or Leo Collins building that depth that we've needed and has sorely hurt us in the past couple of years. I don't want to be confident. You know, I don't want to be cocky about this because it, you know, all of my Steelers fan friends will listen to this and take <laughs> clips and shove it in my face as they've been doing for the past 30 years. No! Uh, but <laughs> I, I think we have all the tools in place to make a run just like we did each of the last two years. And I'd be really disappointed if we don't make it to the playoffs and uh, hopefully make another run. Scott, the one thing I want to ask you, man, uh, being a dynasty guy over redraft guy, who off of this Bengals unit would you want if you're taking one off the board and it's who you really want? I find myself having Hubbard the most. Uh, I feel like he has a better tackle floor than Hendrickson. I feel like he's more likely to be there longer than Hendrickson as well. Don't get me wrong. I like Hendrickson. Uh, I was a little bit nervous when we let Lawson go and replace him with Hendrickson because I really like Lawson. And I still think he has a lot of potential as long as he can fully recover from that injury. Last year was kind of a weird year for him. But on the Bengals, you know, not to also show my defensive tackle bias, but 
I think DJ Reader is a steal. Uh, I was trying to look up some of my favorite, you know, long shot, deeper play, uh, defensive tackles. And on MFL, he is the 46th most rostered defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. On PFF, he's in the top six in most of the uh, positional grades. And he gets the snaps. We have a two-person – we have a little bit of rotation with Josh Tupo. Zach Carter didn't show a whole lot last year. Um, but B.J. Hill, you know, is DT19 in terms of ownership. Yep. I'll take Reader any day of the week on par or ahead of Hill and especially being able to get him that much further because, you know, that many spots isn't that many spots in a draft. We're talking, you know, a streamer option or right. a, a UDFA that you can pick up. And I've got a lot of hope there. I like the linebackers too, uh, in particular Wilson. But honestly, Gary, some of your recent work where you were comparing <laughs> Wilson to some other linebacker options has had me, okay, uh, I probably won't be running out to grab him. But I, I like the yeah. defensive line. Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader are probably the two that I'd be most confident with. And then in any kind of best ball, Mike Hilton, because he has that you know blitz upside and just can do some – really awesome things to get you those flash weeks. I uh, don't want to rely on him on a week-to-week basis, but in any kind of modified best ball, full best ball, he's the kind of guy I love having in there because I know that he can score me a real big number in any given week. And ladies and gentlemen, that was one question answered. <laughs> Got us into it. Let's talk about it. So let's talk defensive tackles. So for the people that don't know, I pulled up a random week of your article last year, uh, earlier this week, to make sure I knew what I was talking about, and I saw 117 defensive tackles yeah. in a in a, in a one week article that you had calls on each way. <laughs> what went into that? What was the thought behind this? It was a slog at points. You know, it was a bit of a grind going through that many. But the good news is, I've gotten really good at automating parts of the process. So using things like VLOOKUP, uh, knowing the weird naming conventions, because I'm pulling data from four or five different sources. And one of the things that is my academic side showing is I show my work. You know, on my site, I say, hey, here are the, the data points I'm using. Here's how I'm using them. Here's where I'm getting them from. But when you're talking about that many players, it's multiple data points. It's the, the different naming conventions of teams. You know, some sites will have... Los Angeles Chargers and others will have LA Chargers. And so you have to sort of train a formula to say, hey, when it says this, this is what it means and pull this line of data from it. Um, Same with like BJ Hill having uh, periods in his name or not having periods in his name. Uh, So once you can get through that and once you can find some really reliable data sources that are of good quality, I let the formula do the work. So, you know, I, I scrape the data, I clean the data, I run the numbers and then I sort of spot check things to make sure nothing went awry. Uh, I tried to keep it somewhat coarse grained um, to try to make it a little bit more digestible instead of, you know, running full blown regression models and showing beta weights on everything. I tried to keep it more straightforward using those same principles. Uh, and so a lot of times I will have ties and then I'll have to do some, some deeper dives and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, I enjoy it. Like I said, I did it for a year offline just for my buddies, uh, enjoyed it and thought, you know what, I can, I can do this for other people too, and maybe help some people win some games on occasion. That's awesome, man. So let's dive into that a little bit. What, what goes into your formula and 
if you want to maybe give us the the layman's version um because we're we're getting pretty deep into the weeds here yeah don't give up anything man don't give up anything it's a big happy family we're great as a community but it's kind of like a mafia family so watch that back room <laughs> shit man i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse i'm telling you brother i'm telling you oh and i was going to mention too if you didn't, guys didn't notice because we're we're looking at each other as we record this on the on the video but i went and got snacks because this shit's good <laughs> the things that i use are largely in line with again the article that, that gary posted back in early july about how to make kind of those decision points we're just using different data and and i suspect you know without you know giving up family secrets a lot of people use these same kinds of things uh, when they're coming up with their rankings just from different sources and with different weights and that's what makes everyone a little bit different and i know some people are also more eyeball test guys that's not me you know as an academic i want data you know i, I want to be using a team of pff analysts to come up with a reliable number rather than me breaking down film and, and maybe having my own biases creep into there. You know, I use things like observable data. So snap counts or snap shares. You know, if you're not on the field, if you're not playing, it's hard to score fantasy points. You know, people do get in and, and get a sack and it makes my model look worse, but you're always gonna have that kind of random variability. Uh, snap counts are by far the most consistent predictor of fantasy success when I run my statistical models compared to anything else. So snap counts are number one. Down, down. Player talent is number two, and there's lots of different ways to come to that. I like to use PFF. Uh, so I use PFF pass rush grades, PFF run stop grades. Uh, and so I use those and I have different tiers within those based on, again, the analyses that I do kind of offline to see, okay, does this matter for fantasy output? How much does this matter? At what points does it matter in the data breaks? So I include those. And then the third thing is opponent information. And this is one that you know, works really well in theory. You know, it makes a lot of sense that if you're playing a team that has a worse offensive line, then you're more likely to be able to get a sack. Or if you're playing a team that has a, a faster pace of play on offense, you're going to be on the field more, and that's going to give you more opportunities to score points in any kind of way. Sacks, passes defended, tackles, assists, whatever it might be. But what I do is I gather all of that data, and then I you know, use it to generate my tiers and use it to generate my ratings on individual players. But then every couple of weeks, I run regressions. So I do statistical tests to see, okay, are these things actually predicting defensive tackle fantasy output or not? Which ones are most predictive? Which ones are least predictive? And that's why if you go on my site, you'll see, you know, the model was updated in week three to tune this up a little bit and tune that down a little bit. And I'm going to jettison this measure of offensive tackle quality or offensive line quality and use this source instead because this one wasn't working in terms of being a significant predictor of success or not. So it, it's really a function of those three main things and then a couple of subcategories within. Hey, all you crazy IDP fans. We are hosting the IDP Pros Breast Cancer Awareness Giveaway, where you can win a Roquan Smith Baltimore Ravens jersey. 
All you have to do to enter is donate $3 or more to any nationally recognized cancer organization and post a pic of your donation with the hashtag IDPROS. That's hashtag IDPROS. The drawing will be held on August 24th. Find more information on this podcast Twitter page or on any of your favorite IDP Pros accounts. Enter today and help us bring cancer to its knees. That actually takes us right into our next one. So what what were some of the tweaks you had to make last season? Uh, just finding different sources of information or major overhaul type stuff? Yeah, so I try not to do too many major overhauls. Uh, the one exception to that rule is I came out of the gate. Uh, I Week three, I posted a set of rankings and they were just terrible. And I thought, oh man, there's no way better to kill my credibility than to just have this stinker set of rankings out of the gate. And I realized it's because I was using two weeks worth of data from this season to try to predict what was going to happen. And that was such a simple mistake to avoid that I didn't. Uh, And so the one big overhaul I did to the model was starting in week three, I focused more on the things that were already stable. So like snap shares, those snap shares were already starting to have a little bit of stability as you got into week three player grades, offensive line quality, offensive pace of play. All of that was largely random noise. So I tuned all of those down significantly and I tuned up the snap count significantly. As we got later into the season, week five, I started to adjust some of those other knobs back up because now I had more data and I could see more which offensive lines were struggling legitimately. And they didn't just have a terrible week one because they were playing a great defensive team. And so those are the kind of iterations I do. And I try not to do too many major things because I have you know sound theory that underlines all of this. You know, if you're a defensive lineman and you're playing an offensive line that gives up a lot of stacks and tackles, that should matter for your output. And if it doesn't, it's more a function of the data that I'm using or the weight that I'm putting on the data that I'm using rather than the reality of what matters on the field. So I try to do little incremental things. And I don't just, well, this isn't significant, so I'm tossing it out of the model entirely. I'll tune it up. I'll tune it down. I'll look for replacement measures. But I have this kind of sound process in place that I use to guide what I do there. Yep, I can a thousand percent identify with that. It's it's an over the course of the season thing, not a one week thing. You're gonna have terrible weeks with streaming, but the idea is you put yourself in a better position over the course of the season than the other guys, and that leads to better outcomes. People just need to realize every year there's going to be adjustments. If you don't think that the big boys like PFF and them aren't adjusting with the NFL to get this shit right, because the NFL is always evolving. Completely true. We got, and that's that's half the reason why we do this podcast to stay up with what's going on, so we're all on the same page. I got a question for you. So you did this the first year just with your buddies, and then you you published the second year. What kind of success have you seen in general versus your typical set and forget? I've I've been fortunate in that I play mostly dynasty, and that I've had a lot of set and forget guys that I've picked up either on waivers or so far into a draft where they become a value and I can't keep passing them up anymore. But the one thing I did was I wanted to, to be in this. If I was going to say this is a strategy, then I wanted to be in it with the people who are using it as a strategy. So I mentioned last year, I started to get involved with more redraft tournaments 
and I did both the uh, IDP guys masters and the IDP guys autism invitational. So that was a, a 2014 and I think 144 team. And in both of those, I just went back and, and looked at my drafts. I drafted my first defensive tackle. I only drafted one defensive tackle in each because I wanted to really force myself to test this streaming hypothesis. And I drafted them in rounds 28 and 29. So I drafted guys super late and I churned that and I had some pretty good success. I ended up in second place in the master's tournament and I was a finalist in the IDP invitational, uh, you know, a lot of other good things happening on my rosters, but I was able to identify some guys from a streaming perspective. And then a few of the guys that kept popping up as streamers for me, like Zach Seiler, um, Zach Allen, you know, the Zachs were great last year. They became kind of set it and forget it guys at some point in the season, you know, when looking at what else was available out there, but they're guys I identified by doing the streaming philosophy. So, you know, I've had some pretty good success with it in terms of my teams, uh, in terms of you know being a predictor. You know, I, I post all that out there too, because like I said, whenever I write an academic paper, I've got to show all my work, I've got to show all my results. And so I try to apply that same sort of mindset to this endeavor as well. So I track how good I am at predicting the top 15. And I've found that I, I do a decent job at that. I've tracked the various outputs for every tier that I place guys into. So average points, percentage of guys scoring above 10, percentage of guys scoring above 20, guys that put up goose eggs. And those have a really beautiful pattern of tier one, as an aggregate, outperforms tier two, which outperforms tier three, which outperforms tier four. So I put a lot of kind of, I like to call them accountability metrics uh, to make sure that I'm doing things right up there for people to see my successes, my failures, but I think it absolutely can be a viable strategy. And, you know, I've tried to enact it more and more in my IDP redraft so that I'm, I'm even more emotionally invested in the work that I'm doing. Before I go get my popcorn, man, I just want to stay after hearing your concepts and as much as you revealed, please stay in your lane and stay with the defensive tackles. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want the competition. No. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, so in general, what kind of leagues would you most recommend this uh, formula for? So I'm assuming you're, you're deeper, more degenerate, uh, defensive tackle specific, obviously. Um, is this better for dynasty? Is this, this is probably better for redraft. I mean, what do you think works best in general? Yeah, I think it's definitely better for redraft, but you can do it in a lot of dynasty leagues. Um, what I've found in my dynasty leagues is it's kind of similar to probably what people run into with cornerback streaming. Uh, I'm in a 16 team, 60 person roster, 10 person taxi squad league that requires two starting corners, one to two starting defensive tackles. It is really hard to do any kind of streaming in that league just because of the sheer number of people who are rostered. You know, you can occasionally find some guys, but, um, you know, this is a lot better suited for, uh, you know, leagues that either have a little bit thinner benches, you know, kind of your 12 team leagues, definitely leagues that require defensive tackle. It's just like any kind of streaming, your mileage is going to vary depending on the league settings that you have. And if it's, you know, no position left behind or defensive tackle premium, then people are going to hoard a little bit more defensive tackles than they would otherwise. So that's one of the reasons why I, I post streamers. You know, I post guys that are 
you know, my, my two kind of calls of the week that are outside of the top 30 rostered. So they're, they're deep streamers. Um, but I post rankings for all the guys because you never know who's going to be available in your league. I may have someone rated as DT 15 for the week. And, you know, if I try to say, Hey, you want to stream them in a lot of leagues? Oh, what are you talking about? He's been on a roster since he was a rookie, but in some leagues, that guy's going to be sitting out there. So, you know, I, I think that as you get into the super degenerate leagues, it gets harder. And this is used more to guide start sit decisions. But in most of your normal leagues that require defensive tackles, you're going to have some really good ones sitting out there if you know where to look. Yeah, worst case scenario, it helps the start sit. That's always good stuff. We always need that. So what do you, I mean, what sticks out to you? What, what are some indicators that you see and you're like, oh man, that defensive tackle is in a great matchup this week? Yeah, so unfortunately, I haven't found a good, reliable way of doing that. And trust me, I've, I've looked. I've looked at sacks allowed. I've looked at pressure rates. I've looked at those from a few different sources that I really, really respect uh, in terms of data aggregators that are out there and other data analysts. It's, it's tricky. Uh, what I end up doing more so is whenever I'm trying to make that call of, you know, these guys both scored a, a 4.5 out of seven, uh, who am I going to rate higher than another? Um, I tend to then look into the individual matchup more granularly. So, okay, do they typically line up on the left or right? If they line up on the left, what does the left guard, left tackle look like for the team they're going up against rather than the entirety of their offensive line? I suspect I'd be able to get those offensive line metrics to pop and be more statistically significant if I were doing that for every single player and looking at, at that level of detail of you know where the strengths and weaknesses on the offensive lines are rather than the unit level metrics. Um, but that's one thing that I just, I haven't found a good data source for. So I use the more coarse grain in general. And then whenever I'm, I'm breaking ties or whenever I'm suggesting a streamer from that deeper part of the list, that's when I'll get into, okay, let's see where they line up, who they're gonna be going up against, how they've been playing lately. And that's where you can get into some of the more exploitable matchups, but it also requires a little bit of that extra legwork or, or maybe you being a fan of the team they're playing that week. So, you know, hey, yeah, our, our left guard is, is terrible and he's been just, uh, you know, giving it up a lot lately. Love that. Yeah. Good stuff there. I, I think all 22 is going to help with that eventually. Uh, just that whole format, because we're starting to get those individual ratings at offensive line easier to find data but yeah it might take a while um football outsiders football outsiders has been a great resource for a long time very underrated i don't know how they're not talked about more what good is football content if it doesn't cover both sides of the ball the sgpn idp pros have you covered on defense but we have more to offer than just idp check out our flagship podcast the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast with Emerson Beery and Justin Bruni. Follow that up with a chaser of old-fashioned football with your hosts, Justin and Miranda Mark. All of the SGPN podcasts pride themselves on their actionable content. They bring the research and analysis you need to win. So help support SGPN and download the SGPN app and catch all of our premium football content. 
So we're we're getting close to the season. We're less than two months away. Just kind of early look at things. Uh, who are some guys that you think this year might be some good under the radar streaming options for defensive tackle? Uh, anyone that's uh, perked your ears up yet? Yeah. So uh, I mentioned DJ Reader a little bit earlier. Uh, like I said, on MFL, he's the 46th most rostered defensive tackle, which makes no sense to me. You know, it's a lot of names that are ahead of him. Uh, but definitely not better players or even people who had better output last year uh, than him. And I know he was dealing with some injuries. And so that sort of limited his ceiling a little bit, but he still finished you know, pretty well. Um, so he's one guy that I like. Uh, Justin Matabuike uh, in Baltimore is another person who I've been high on for a while. And he got that switch in designation when true position hit from defensive end to defensive tackle. Uh, Calais Campbell is now gone. And Calais Campbell was very productive in that spot on the Baltimore offensive line. And to the best of my knowledge, they haven't brought in any real significant competition for snaps. So Matabuike is a guy who, uh, you know, would really flash in my rankings from week to week, but his snap counts were never high enough to make him get into the, yeah, I would recommend playing him or, you know, he's in one of the more comfortable uh, start positions, but without that competition, I like him a little bit, but, you know, I saw he was the 29th, uh, most rostered defensive tackle. So he's going to be available uh, in a lot of leagues, but he's still significantly less available than a guy like DJ Reader. And I like Reader a little bit more. And then this one is for the, the true degenerates out there. Um, Alam McNeil. Alam McNeil in Detroit is yeah. a guy who hasn't put it together yet. He burned me so many weeks last year when I would recommend him as a streamer. But the talent is there it's it's the old adage of talent doesn't always equal fantasy output but there's also another adage which is regression to the mean and he's a guy who was putting up a lot of really good metrics that weren't quite translating into fantasy output if he was a true nose tackle that would be a lot more concerning for me but he's not he's more of a run-of-the-mill defensive tackle where i think he can have that production it's another team that likes to just kind of set and forget their defensive tackles. His snap shares were in the you know 80% a lot of weeks, and that is phenomenal for a defensive tackle. So he has the talent. He has the snap share. I wish Detroit had someone other than Aiden Hutchinson to also be you know soaking up some attention there on the defensive line. But you know he is the 72nd most rostered defensive tackle, so he's probably available in a lot of leagues. I've been grabbing him on waivers just to stash him in my dynasty in case he does turn into what I think he can turn into. But if uh, you're looking for a really, really deep play, he's someone who I try to give someone multiple chances. Matt Iadonis, uh, I may be saying his name wrong, but he's another guy who you know burned me a couple times and then really paid off for me a few other times. And he's still sitting out there as a free agent. But if the numbers are there to back it up, I'm going to default back to that rather than uh, yeah, this guy has burned me before because it always goes this way too of the week that you finally say, okay, I'm giving up, don't play him. He goes out and gets three sacks or records eight tackles or some other ungodly number that makes you be like, I knew it. I knew, No, look, yeah. go back a few weeks. You'll see. I was right. I wasn't right this week, but I knew it before then. All right. I love it's, it, dude. I sit, I sit here and I see – sleeper and breakout calls on guys that I hit two years ago, three years ago, and maybe they didn't hit, 
that's why I, I leave him alone. You know, I, I walk away. I can't follow it up. Oh, he's he's going to do it the second year. No, at least give me a year in between or something. But that's that's pretty cool shit, man. I love it. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Uh, I think you're probably the most qualified person we've talked to so far and asked this question too. So who do you think the defensive tackle one's going to be this season? This is a, a, a tough one. Uh, there are a lot of set it and forget it defensive tackles. Uh, so that's why, like I said, I haven't had to do much streaming in my dynasty leagues because I have Cam Hayward, who I'm happy rolling out there every week, or Jonathan Allen or Chris Jones. Uh, I've got all those guys. But I think at the end of the year, it's going to be Christian Wilkins. On the ball. Uh, depending on your scoring system, he may have been your DT1 last year. Uh, I know he was in a lot of the, the premium leagues that I play in. He's another guy who MFL switched in the offseason. You know, they, he was a defensive tackle. I drafted him as a rookie in one of my leagues. He was a defensive tackle. Then they switched him to defensive end for some unknown reason. Now he's back to defensive tackle. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't repeat. He's still young. He's still incredibly talented. He still has a great player next to him in Zach Seiler, who's also on a contract year. So he has every incentive to keep up the great numbers that he put up last year. Two great edge rushers in Chubb and Phillips. I know Phillips has been getting a lot of buzz, and I still am a believer in Chubb, despite uh, a little bit of lack of production some of last year. But again, that's a year of recovering after an injury. So I see no reason why Wilkins can't be that guy. I don't know that I would wager a significant amount of money on it because there are, are so many really strong viable options there. Um, but if if I had to to make a pick, it would absolutely be Wilkins, and uh, I would love to have him on some of my teams. But I'm never going to pay enough to get him, so you know it's just the way it is. That's awesome, man. That's a great answer, too. Uh, great tackle floor last two years. 180-something tackles last two years. That's beautiful combined. We'll get you out of here on this. So what are you doing this season? Where can the people find it? The floor is yours. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing you know more of what I've been doing. So the weekly defensive tackle rankings are going to be out. I'll post those on Twitter. I post them on Reddit. They're on my site, ProfessorIDP.com. Uh, I also do off-season combined rookie rankings because I do a lot of you know blended drafts and uh, not a lot of great resources I've been able to find out there for that. So this year I'm also updating those as the off-season goes on. So version 1.0 is already out there. I just did a lot of the behind-the-scenes work on version 2.0 and we'll be updating my site shortly with those on there. And then again, interested in modified best ball. You know, what's that mean? How do I do it in my league? I've got something on that. If you're a new entrant, I know there's a lot of great startup articles. Um, I've got one of them too. So anything else that you're curious about? You know, I, I'm an academic because I like teaching people. Uh, and I'm an academic researcher because I like helping companies and helping employees. And I do that because I identify questions that need answers to improve the quality of lives of those folks. And so if you have a question that you're really curious about that you've just never had the time or energy or effort or expertise to be able to really dig into, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear those things too. And it may be something I've been curious about too. And you know, I've gone down a few rabbit holes now that I've joined Fantasy Twitter or someone saying, hey, I wonder if this matters. So, all right, that's an empirical question. Let me get some data. Let me test it out and I'll report back. So just happy to keep engaging with this community. It's a, been a great, great experience. Very excited to be here with you guys. 
and looking forward to year two. I just can't wait to see more, man. Just just keep it coming, Kat. I think that you uh, you're going to make a dent in this real quick. You can just you can just tell it. You ain't got nothing else to do but data, do you? <laughs> yeah, I, I I do see it in my sleep. Uh, sometimes it's mm-hmm. fantasy data. I do. Too, sometimes, sometimes it's organizational data. You know, between yeah. that and you know, and I know writing is a thing that that some people love, some people hate. I, like I said, I'm used to writing. I wrote a uh, my dissertation was a couple of hundred pages, so it was basically a small book. Uh, the average journal article that I write is 40 to 50 pages. A lot of those never see the light of day. So that's just writing I'm doing for that purpose anyway. So I'm really looking forward to doing more writing, uh, more ranking, more data analyses as time permits. But in the meantime, if anyone ever thinks I can be of any help, I'm always happy to be there. Well, I appreciate you joining us. And I'm just going to let John take us out of here, man. I'm excited that I got to meet you face to face, Scott, after talking to you quite a few times this past year or so. And I look forward to trying to get you back on here, man. Maybe uh, you work from home? A good bit of the time. And I'm actually, I'm not teaching this fall. So uh, my teaching schedule is all backloaded into the spring, which is Oh, so you would be available for a 10 a.m. live on the manager's pod with me and Craig. You can't get out of it now, man. You have a great night. John, do your thing, brother. He always does this. I love it. You're locked in now, Scott. But Scott, seriously, thank you so much, man. This was awesome. This was really good stuff. We really appreciate it. Everyone, please follow him at Professor IDP, all one word on Twitter. He is Scott Soltis of ProfessorIDP.com. Thank you, folks, for listening. We'll see you again next week. Same time, same place. Have a good one.